What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Stew on this podcast. And I am super excited to bring to you a conversation with my buddy, Ryan Cole. Uh, If you have been listening to this podcast for any length of time, uh, you know that Ryan is a returning uh, uh, visitor, friend, all that kind of good stuff. Um, And so since the last time that we talked with Ryan, I talked to Ryan on a on a regular basis, but since the last time that Ryan was here on Stew on This, uh, there has been some movement and all that kind of stuff of what God's doing in the Cole's life and in Ryan's life. And uh, as a friend living afar now, seeing what's going on, I'm really excited about what God is doing and just wanted to re-invite Ryan back on to this show uh, for two reasons. One, since this is now a YouTube channel as well to show you his beautiful face, uh, that's the primary reason. And there it is. And then the second reason being... Um, hold it all day. Consider <laughs> like holding all day. Did I freeze? So there was part of me I was like, oh, we just froze. Cool. Just roll with it. <laughs> I love messing um, with people like that. Well, that's good. <laughs> um, and then the other reason, just to be able to really, again, have a conversation about what God is doing in mm. uh, Cole's life and in Ryan's life. So, uh, But Ryan, since it has been a couple of years almost at this point since yeah. uh, you've been on Sue on this. How about you reacquaint yourself to everybody who is watching and listening? Who is Ryan Cole? Why Why do we want to know you? What does it matter? All that kind of good stuff. Oh, man. Isn't that like the million dollar question that everybody wants to figure out, like who we are and what like what we're built for? I think when we met last time, I was actually in the process of that journey and uh, you know, Stu, you and I have worked on church staffs together uh, before or like, I don't know, were we on staff at the same or like, were we like, right? Nope. Never. No, we were. I don't even remember. But like we worked for the same church that I used to work for. Anyway, we have things that we did that were close and all the all the fun stuff. But I was really uh, I've been on a journey uh, really when we go back and listen to the previous episode, we were talking about. Um, probably our uh, loss of our son, Whitson, who we lost at uh, 37 weeks, um, two days before delivery. Uh, we went in for our last appointment and he just wasn't there. We, we went in at Friday at four. We were going to deliver Monday morning and uh, everything was great up until that point. And man, did the, the rug just get yanked out from underneath you. And unfortunately, miscarriage and stillbirth is part of my wife and I's journey. And in that process, um, some really great things have come out of it. And now that we're going to be coming up on five years of celebrating my son being born straight into the arms of Jesus in heaven mm. um, here at, very shortly, uh, we are at the place where the ministry that my wife and a friend of hers started called Fornone Ministries is launching full force, uh, full full speed ahead into helping people understand who Jesus is during miscarriage, stillbirth, and infant loss. I also have the distinct pleasure of being the male's voice in that area. You know, we sit there and we say, uh, miscarriage is a really hard thing to talk about in the first place. Like nobody, what do you do with your hands when you're talking to somebody? Like, <laughs> yeah. what do you say to people, right? And we, we wrestled with a lot of those things. But traditionally, people really focus on the female, as they should. I'm not saying that they shouldn't. Um, the there are traditionally two people involved in creating a child hmm. and it's my job to really add a voice to the men's perspective and also help people see 
um, how men grieve, how men don't know the answer. If we're focusing so much on the women, you got a 50% of this potential of this pregnancy that's just negated and lost. And so how do we add hope? How do we connect people to Jesus in this time? Because we believe that Jesus is the, the, the way that we can heal and all these different things. And I don't expect someone or I don't want someone to limp for the rest of their life. I want to walk them to health. Hmm. Um, but Jesus is the way that we do that with people. So the longest story short, uh, we, we've been on a journey to figure out what that looks like in our lives and continue to offer the hope that Jesus has for us through miscarriage, stillbirth, and infant loss. Yeah. So I like Melissa and I love you guys and we love um, everything that you guys are doing. Um, I know like we've, there are people that we um, are connected with that they have as written as part of their story now that they would have never written for themselves includes pregnancy loss. And um, every time that we come across somebody who has that as part of their story, that they're currently walking through it, we immediately recommend for no ministries mm. and, and we shoot them over towards you guys and whatnot. But I will mm. say because pregnancy loss is a part of our story as well. Mm. Um, I remember that when Melissa and I went through that, we journeyed, we journeyed through it with each other. And, mm-hmm. uh, at one point in time, I wrote a blog, basically just kind of talking about what we experienced. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there came a point where Melissa read it and she said, I didn't know what it was that you were feeling, what you were going through it. Mm-hmm. And I, and I'm, I'm pretty sure like even in there, or it may have just been a one-on-one conversation with, uh, my wife and I, I even mentioned like, there's there's an aspect of this pregnancy loss that affects me in a way that it will never affect you because mm-hmm. as for a shorter brief of time that we had this child that child and you have a connection that that child mm-hmm. and I will never have that yeah. child knew your voice that child knew your heartbeat in a way that the child never know mine um yeah. And so I told her, it's like, there's, there's like the sense of, of like, I understand to your point, like, I understand that the woman goes through, um, this loss in a tragic, traumatic, Mm -hmm. horrifying way. Um, but on the dude side, there is an aspect of loss for ourselves that we do experience. And I think usually what's hard for us, and you can speak into it is just the way that we're designed by God that with us being fixers of a situation that we don't allow ourselves time (laughs) to really be in the moment because we are caring for our wives and trying to fix a situation that is not fixable. It's just not. Yeah. That Um, that is, that is by far the hardest place for a male, a man to be when it comes to a miscarriage. It's, I have this thing my this this new feeling in my house it's not joy it's not elation it's not a joyful expectation of a child coming now it's grief 
Now it's pain. Now it's loss. Now it's suffering. And what do I do with this guest in my house? And now this thing is trying to actually drive a wedge between my wife and I, just from a difference of like what you're going through and versus what I'm going through. And so it's really important that we rely on Jesus to help us guide us through that process. Because if we're left to our brothers and we're left to just figure it out on our own, it can go south real quick. You know, um, I, I minister to men a lot that say, I, I just, I want my wife to be better. I want her to, they, they use this term that I want them to, um, you know, get over it, get through what the thing is. And it's, and it's not really, that's, that's our male language for that. If I might, mm. like, that's like, that's, that's male talk. <laughs> that's like, I want this thing gone. But what we're trying to say is, we don't know how to process and really we don't know how to heal. And we certainly, we're certainly not equipped to have a conversation with you about how to like help draw you out of that thing. So those are like awkward moments in time where you're like, when are you going to get over this? Which is a terrible thing. I don't, I don't recommend any male saying that to their wife, but at the same respect, it's what you're saying there is crying out for help to say, we're not okay we, we I want something better for us. And I don't know how to communicate with you to walk with you in this journey because it's such a foreign thing. If you think about marriage traditionally, you know, at first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes the baby, right? In the baby carriage. Yep. Well, what if this is first comes love, then comes marriage. And now we have to deal with a detrimental traumatic event that was not discussed in premarital counseling, or I have no way to talk about it because I've never gone through anything this hard in my life. And so what we do is we walk people and and couples through this opportunity to say, without Jesus at the center of that, you can go south real quick. You're going to have a much harder time, but really we need to, we need to get some open communication happening to help you guys understand what it is that you're processing and how to actually communicate what your needs are. I think that's, it kind of goes back to just marriage 101, right? Communication is the number one thing that you just have to work on in your marriage. And in, in a time of miscarriage um, and, and in stillbirth specifically, having the availability to take a step back and say, hey, we're not okay. And we need to have some some support to talk through this because grief is an incredibly powerful emotion. And we help people understand what that looks like and how do they get through it? You know, I think if you're honest, one of the things that we hear a lot is, well, where was Jesus during all this? Hmm. And um, I don't know if you struggle with that question with what you guys went through. I know that I struggle with that question. And what you have to do is you kind of have to take a step back and go, Jesus was there and we have to turn to scripture and scripture is, has to become the truth of the foundation of what we go through, but Jesus promised to never leave us, never forsake us. Right. So we have to hold on to that. But then also because grief is such a powerful emotion, we have to spend some time and say, man, Jesus was there when I was, you know, scrubbing in with my OBGYN to deliver a stillborn child two days before delivery that, that, that mm. was deceased. Like that's terrible, but there was peace there. That was just crazy peaceful that passed all understanding you know, when we had to leave the hospital room and leave our son behind in the bassinet, I, these are things that like looking backwards now, I don't wish for my worst enemy, 
but I know that I could go through them and I could endure them because of Jesus rather in spite of him leaving me in a terrible situation, right? And that's where I think it's really important for people to realize that when you go through hard times like this, it's a great opportunity for you to lean into your faith and find out what true, real faith for you looks like, because it's it's really um, a great kind of learning environment for you to to push into that a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. I just I think uh, back to that blog that I wrote um, as I was going through the emotions at the time and. To be honest with you, like I don't remember how much time uh, passed between when the miscarriage happened and when I wrote that blog. Um, I just one day I was like, okay, I'm gonna put this down on paper and uh, electronic paper, anyways. And um, mm-hmm. even in that blog, like Melissa journaled her emotional her journey through mm-hmm. it all, and I ended up just capturing her thoughts and I plugged it in on there. But here's the thing. When I wrote it, I even titled titled it um, when that could never happen to me mm. happens to you, mm-hmm. right? So like like you, you talk about grief and I think that for the mentality of the dude, um, I'm going to go on a limb here and, and even say maybe an insecure dude, that yeah. idea of grief is not masculine enough. It's not, it's not a masculine word. So Right. We tend to not grieve. In fact, I am a non-emotional person for the most part. Like I I don't cry, I don't really get angry uh that easily. I'm I'm I would say I'm pretty even kill uh, for the okay. most part. But I would say that because the idea of grief doesn't seem masculine enough, most dudes are not going to sit in that for the most part, or they won't admit to that idea of grief. So that being said, so here's here's yeah, the yeah. <laughs> here's the blog, here's the idea of grief and dudes. Because things happen to us, because this is life and this is a sinful, broken world, like how many people, I'm sure you guys have uh, dug into this, how many people would you say will probably experience a miscarriage? So one in four pregnancies in a miscarriage. And those are the reported statistics. And so if you think about it, if if your wife gets pregnant super early on and um, you may or may not recognize that you're pregnant, or let's say you're in the first eight weeks of, of being pregnant and then all of a sudden um, – your wife has a, a, a large, uh, I'm going to say clot. That's not what I'm saying. You know, like yeah. you just, you, you, she passes, um, something, um, in the, in a, anywhere. And that's a miscarriage. And traditionally those aren't reported. And those are things that like, what if you, if we had anything else in the world where one in four ended a, a life this way, we'd be diving into this a lot more seriously, but it just has become this man, that sucks. That's pretty typical and normal. You know, one in four, man, that's that just wasn't God's time. I'm going to punch you in the face. That just wasn't God's will. That doesn't help. Uh, that's not God's plan for their life. Also not helpful. You know, there's a lot of those things where you just kind of take a step back and go, I, I have to go back to the very beginning. And that is, I believe that 
life begins at conception. And so that is a life. And so if you were to sit there and say, well, that wasn't God's will, I don't think our God is one of those guys or beings or whatever you want to, however you want to classify God. Um, I don't think God just sits there and says, I'm going to plant this life in your body and really just mess with you in six weeks and take it away. Like yeah. that's a terrible place to be. I don't believe that a loving father is going to want to do that to his kids. And I don't know why these things happen, but I do know and I focus on the fact that there are bad things that do happen in this life. And it's our job if we've put our trust and our faith in Jesus to continue to put our trust and faith in Jesus. Like we have to continue to press forward even in hard times and hard situations like a miscarriage or a stillbirth, because that's what we have. It, that's why I say it goes back to the fact of like, this is one of those opportunities in life where you can truly see God moving in your life and Jesus walking with you through pain. But much like the just like much like you started by saying like guys don't really engage in a pregnancy really until you, the, you're like, Oh, I have a, a child now and I ha it's not going away for <laughs> 18 years, right? Like I have to take care of this, you know? Um, and, and now what do I do? Where's the book that nobody ever wrote or gave you the manual, right? Like you have two girls, you get it. Like there's no, there's no like book. The literally the only thing that they make you test to leave a hospital is the car seat test, which I just blows my mind that the kid just sits in a car seat and has to pass a car seat strappy test. And they're like, well, Good luck. Hold on. Like, let's take a step back. But yeah. I think it's one of those things where you just kind of go, guys, uh, when your wife is having a child, they are going to connect. They are going to grow. That that child is reliant upon um, your wife um, for everything, literally everything. And so it's our job to really dive in as men to figure out what does it look like to care and comfort my spouse and take care of her. But then also what does that look like and shift to when that goes away in a miscarriage or a stillbirth, we still are called to the same thing. It's just going to look a little bit different and frankly, a lot of bit harder, you know? Yeah. Um, what's the importance for a guy to actually journey through that thing called mm. grief yeah for the sake of being a better partner for his wife in that journey yeah i um you talked about emotion i think traditionally men are raised um and I'm going to say traditionally because there's a lot of just a di different dynamics, especially in this day and age that we live in right now. Traditionally, um, you know, the way that I was grown up is you're supposed to, you, you know, don't cry and get back out there and all the things. What we've done is we've created an, an unemotional being that therefore it's really um, hard for us to say, I am going to grieve. I, I want to go from like here to here. And I want to I want to be sad because I, I need to be sad because this thing that we went through is clearly sad. Like that is a sad thing. Something was mm -hmm. expectant. We had a lot of joy. We had a lot of expectant joy coming and now we have nothing. And now we have death and loss and pain and discomfort. There's a change there. I'm concerned about people that don't change there and process that sadness 
Because what happens if uh, emotions are like a pendulum, right? So let's say, let's say I don't engage in my sadness, but then what if over here is some joy that God wants to show us and, and, and we have to experience the sadness to go to the joy of the situation. I'm not saying that we need to be bipolar or anything like that, but what if there is a pendulum that swings between those two areas for me to experience the full joy that God may have for me? Maybe I do need to go through grief and experience the sadness and the loss and the pain. And in my marriage, I need to experience the intimacy and the communication and the openness with my spouse. Those are the areas that are really difficult, I think, for men to dive into and lean into and say, I don't, I don't know what I'm feeling because I've been programmed a little bit as a male, you know, uh, to not experience things. Well, what do we expect them to do when they go through hard things? And then we throw the Christian masquerade bandaid of you're supposed to be a leader in your house. Hmm. I don't know what that means. I'm, I don't, I, I have so much that I need to process through. Right. And then you throw your spouse, your wife, who has just gone through sometimes a traumatic event, looking at you to, to, she doesn't want you to fix it because she knows you can't fix it. But then it's also like a, I want you to fix it thing because you're my spouse and this is terrible. And I just want this whole mess to go away. So to me, that is a really tough place. And that is just, that's, that's not even, I honestly don't even feel like that's throwing Satan into the mix. Like, I think that that's just life. Like those are just factual things that happen, but then Satan can do his thing and come in and just mess with all of our brains. So the original question was how important is it for you to engage in your grief? And to me, it's incredibly important for men to take that step of faith to move forward and find out why you're experiencing um, anything when it comes to a journey of grief. As an example, for me, through a lot of counseling and prayer and, 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 and time, I learned that I experienced um, all emotions funneled through one key emotion, and that was anger. Even mm-hmm. happiness came out as anger. I don't know how to explain it, but like I would get angry when I'm happy. Like you sing me happy birthday. I want to punch you in the face, but it's, you're singing me happy birthday. Like I like that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? But like I learned that because I don't have an outlet and an understanding of how to process this thing, this grief, my emotions, now everything's funneled through the one thing that I know the, the, the one emotion that I know how to hold on to the most. And for me, that was anger. For some guys, it's just shutting down. For other guys, it's just I, I, they sit in the corner or they fill their life with just stuff, activities, things of that nature. Why? Because they don't know how. And frankly, nobody really wants to deal with those things. But the healthiest version of yourself is on the other side of that opportunity for you to dive into what those emotions look like and how – God wants to walk with you in those things to reveal the true nature that he has for you as a child of, of him that like he built you. So how did he build you to commune with him in hard situations? And then what is the truth of what it looks like to be a male and lead a wife and love a wife and love other kids? If you have them in your house during those times, that's a, that's a pretty heavy pill to swallow. But it's one that is really um, important for guys to understand that they're uniquely built 
and called to do, right? I was not called to carry my child. My wife was called to do that. Yeah. I was carried to, I, I was built to, um, to provide, to protect, to encourage, to um, pray, to do a lot of different things. They're different things. They're not bad things. They're different things. And so what we have to do is we have to look at what is my calling as a male in these hard times? And then what am I supposed, how am I actually supposed to walk with my wife to best support her in those times? You know, um, I know that you experienced this, but when, when people, when you're going through a miscarriage, people hyper-focus on the female and they should because she carried the child and I cannot compete with that bond that they had. And I don't want to get in the middle of that bond. What we do at Fornone is we just help people recognize that there's two people, a part of the story and that the male needs help too, because maybe just maybe he did want a child. It's not just a female thing. I wanted sons I wanted my sons. I wanted to go play football and, and toss balls and go skiing with them and stuff like that. I, those are things that I grew up doing myself and loved. I wanted to pass that on to my sons. And it just didn't happen. And at the end of the day, I have to trust God's plan, even if we live in a broken world, and trust that he is going to continue to love me, even if I'm dealing with some hard things and some pain in my life, and trust him in those journeys. Yep, definitely. So if I can, can I flip the script here for a second? I mean, unless it's a hard question, then no. I'm, but. Well, it, to be honest <laughs> with you, it probably is a hard question. You're um, good. Yeah, go ahead. But, you know, we're talking a lot about, like, the guy's role in supporting in this and mm -hmm. the fact that the guy will go through grief and everything. So uh, knowing that the audience of this podcast is both male and female, yeah. What is what advice would you give to um the 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 women that are listening on how they should love and respect mm. and honor their husband um in that situation or the father of the child in that situation because it's it's easy for us mm -hmm. to talk mm -hmm. about the dude's role in supporting love and caring but mm -hmm. in order for it to work, there also needs to be supporting loving and caring coming from the other side. So, um, and, and to be honest with you, like we talk about this, I talk about this in premarital with couples on the importance of just, and you talked about it, that communication and having mm -hmm. that, that balance of <clears throat> needs uh, being passed back and forth between each other. So for, again, for the women that are listening to this, what would be your advice on how they could best love and support their the father of their child who also is experiencing this walking through this yeah i mean i would i would say a a number 1 is recognize that your husband um I, even if he says he doesn't have any emotions i have yet to meet a male that has gone through pregnancy loss that's a robot that is just totally unemotional and doesn't have anything to offer or any questions that they want to ask traditionally what it is is that they don't know how to explain it and they don't know how to really engage with it because because frankly 
your marriage might be new enough that you're still trying to figure out what that communication style is. You're learning how to mm -hmm. communicate as a couple. Um, and now you have this massive pile of garbage that's just thrown in the middle of that. That is just the enemy likes to use as just a way to mix a lot of things up. And so yeah. what we have to do is we have to get really hyper intentional and guys aren't going to want to hear me say that because what we want, we want to retreat sometimes, or we don't want to deal with things sometimes because really it is a situation where I, I just don't, I'm not equipped to, I don't know what I'm feeling. I don't know how to, I don't, if you say, how are you doing today? Fine is usually the word that comes out, I guess. I don't know. I don't like that. You know, when we meet with counselors and stuff like that, you know, how's your day been? I mean, uh, good, I guess. Not everybody's not traditionally men aren't like great experts in saying, I feel like my tummy hurts right now because I had bad lunch and um, I'm a little anxious because Stuart's putting me on the hot seat and, um, you know what I'm saying? Like, those are, those are goofy things, but like, it's like, we're not built traditionally specifically in this world that we live in right now to be hyper aware of how we feel. And we've really yep. never been asked the hard questions to pull that out of us to say, what are you feeling right now? I don't know. I'm upset. What does that mean? I don't know. Don't ask me that question. You keep asking me the question, I'm going to get angry and then we're going to punch you. And you see like there's that realness that comes with it. And so from a spouse perspective, what we do is we do an exercise um, where we the number one rated session at the women's retreats that we hold is, of course, when um, Jono, um, one of my partners and I come in and we speak to the women and we speak guy to them. Mm. We, mm. we, 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 we tell them what we're saying. It's this exercise called you say, I hear when you say ladies that I'm fine. I hear a couple different things, depending on our marriage, where we are, how I was raised. I could believe you're fine. Okay, cool. I could say you're clearly not fine because your tone is off. Your body language is off. You're crying still. You're not fine but I don't know how to fix that problem because I'm a guy and I want to fix it. I want to make that stop. Um, or you say I'm fine. And now I'm asking a lot of questions and reading between the lines for me specifically when I was growing up, I, I, I was just in a lot of situations where I had to be in that place where I was reading between the lines. So when Kelsey would say I'm fine, that's where I would go. I'd be like, you're clearly not fine. What's happening? Are we okay? Are you okay? Are we going to make it? Are you like all those different things? And I would just spin myself up and overthink everything. And it had to get to a place where we were like, when I need you to explain more to me, what does that mean? And she would walk, or, you know, we could get to a place where she's like, well, today has been a hard day. Um, I love you. Um, I respect you still. Um, and we're going to get through this. Those are the things that I really wanted to hear. Um, but I'm still also still having a bad day and it's, it's not you, it's this, it's grief, you know, like those are, those are all sayings that are a little bit longer than I'm fine, but it takes the pressure off of me trying to fix it and also trying to provide an answer when I don't know what that looks like, you know? Um, one of the things that we work with couples and say, um, well, what happens, Stu, if 
you are having an okay day. You're, you're, you're legitimately having a fine day and, um, you're not, you're not weeping. You're not mourning. You're not grieving. You might just be, um, getting a lot of things done. You could just be at a really great spot where you started your day in the word and you just are having a great day with the Lord and you're, you're okay today. But then you come home and you ask your spouse, you, you ask your wife, how are you? And she's just, she's just an emotional wreck. She's just destroyed because of the grief. Is it okay for her to still sit in that grief and you still have a good day? Hmm. And what happens if it's on the flip side? What if, what if she is actually having a great day because she, let's, let's just say that your loss is new and she's still at home recovering and she spent a lot of time praying and she's been poured into by a lot of friends and she's just been listening to some worship music and receiving it well. And she is, she's, oh, she's okay. And you come home and you're just destroyed because you're, you're crazy. You're, you had a rough day at work. Your boss wasn't gracious. You saw a cute kid uh, being pushed in a stroller on the side of the road, driving home and you're not okay. Is it okay for her to be okay and you're not okay? Those are differences of like that is marriage 101 where it's explaining what how how do we walk in tandem through those things because it is okay for you to be okay if you're okay. And it is okay if I'm not okay if I'm not okay. But being married with Christ at the center is an awesome opportunity for us to realize hey this is when we share each other's burdens. This is when we continue to be together and I'm going to support you and hopefully lift you up or you can support me and hopefully lift me up. And hopefully together we can spend some time and, and, and take it to Jesus and he can lift us up and we can all together realize that there's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days. And traditionally what we found is that like when one of us is having a great day, the other one's not having a great day. And that's okay because we kind of offset each other. <laughs> and mm. over time, that that healing would get better as long as we continue to uh, communicate together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as we sit here and talk, um, before we press record on this, we we're talking about the backgrounds that we have for our videos. And obviously, you have the much better background with the mountains. And, you know, uh, we... Yeah lived in the same city uh, as yeah. each other, living in Colorado Springs and, you know, Pikes Peak is right there. And, you know, one of the favorite things for people to do living in Colorado is to go climb 14ers when the weather is right. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, got into a conversation not too long ago with somebody where we were really talking about, man, what is discipleship? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, discipleship overall is, uh, the the picture that was painted, I think this came up in a staff meeting is where, where this originated from. But the picture that was painted was you're going through war. Hmm. Bullets are flying. You're, you're in the trenches. And you're just trying to figure out how do you take one step up out of that trench to continue moving forward in this battle that you're in. But as you make your way up and you find a good footing... You turn around to the person that's behind you and say, "Step here. This is how we. This is how we move forward. This is how we get out." 
Um, and I look at the mountains that you got behind you and the scenery that we're familiar with, with, uh, with the mountains in Colorado Springs. And all I can think of is really the journey that God has put the coals on, whether you guys wanted it or not, right. is an amazing discipleship journey uh, mm-hmm. to help people who are dealing with a real tragic um, situation in life. But mm-hmm. you guys have become the Sherpa at this point in order to help people journey up that treacherous mountain with its valleys and its steep inclines and all that kind of stuff. And dude, I, for me, it's cool just to see like, mm-hmm. um, thanks man. And, and I say like, and even in that, right? Like there's, there's an aspect of who you guys are, that this is a, a passion that God's placed on your guys's heart. Mm-hmm. And with it being a mountain journey, because it does have its peaks and valleys and whatnot, like there's still mm-hmm. days uh, currently, or even for myself, each time that Melissa's gotten pregnant and, you know, you go, mm-hmm. you know, and most people mm-hmm. know that we are pregnant with, uh, with technically our fourth right now. Yep. Uh, yeah. But I don't know that I've ever communicated this to Melissa, so she'll probably hear this for the very first time on, on this podcast. <laughs> but every time that we've gone through a pregnancy journey, I think every single day what pops into my head is in the early stages of the pregnancy, are you still feeling sick? You are? Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And as mm-hmm. she starts feeling the flutters and everything, every mm-hmm. single day I wait for her. She, and she, again, she doesn't know this, but I'm waiting on the edge of my seat for her to say, mm-hmm. I feel the baby moving and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's just a way that the enemy is, oh, dude, but it's a way that the enemy is on the attack because the enemy knows, hey, this is a source of pain for you before in the past. And so I'm going to plant this seed of doubt of God's goodness in this situation. And I'm going to cause you to live and and stew in this area of fear, right? (laughs) Um, Yeah. But that's just well, but, like that's just the snake that he is. But yeah, but but it's it's but peaks if, and valleys. So yeah, I, if I may, I think that, um, and I hope that this this encourages some some listeners out there. That's not just that's not just um, I don't know, what word am I looking for? Regulated. That's not the right word. But that's not just reser- reserved for what you guys are going through in a current pregnancy. There's a lot that I mean. We spent two years ish um, in between two of our pregnancies, just every month trying to get pregnant again, and every month when you know um, uh, Kelsey would would have her period, it just really like killed us both because we we're like, oh, mm. again. I guess it's not this month. We'll do it again. We'll go get on this drug again, or, or if we only have two more months of this drug and then we have to go try something else or whatever. And so if I might encourage people that, that again, we traditionally look at like the hard times in life and go, where were you God there in a miscarriage in a stillbirth, but where is God now with you guys? Where can he offer that peace? I can't sit here and say, Stu, I wish I could, I could, I could fast forward less than nine months for you guys, and, and promise that your child is going to be here, and all these different things. Um, yep. But that is the world that we live in, and regardless of what happens, 
Jesus will continue to be with you in all of the happenings. And that is that could, that could be from, I am a single person. I'm trying to find my spouse. I want to be not be single anymore. I want to have um, someone in my life that is my forever partner, right? Or to your, your, if you're in a marriage, like I want my wife to, to be pregnant or whatever that next journey in life is. If you follow Jesus, that's what it's all about. It's all about Jesus is enough for you in whatever journey and whatever spot that you're in. And true discipleship is just recognizing where Jesus is and where Jesus has you in all these different times. Because I'm here to tell you that we aren't promised a laissez-faire, super awesome life that just has no consequences, no hardships, no troubles. Jesus himself said it. So it's my job to sit there and say, well, what is the number one thing that I can hold on to that's going to help me until I meet Jesus face to face? And that is, oh, I don't know, Jesus. Like, it's just, just like, it's all about right. Jesus, right? But for, for me and my journey, I had to experience the real Jesus. Conceptual Jesus wasn't enough for me. I had to have the man himself come spend some time with me and, and, and feel his realness and feel his truth and then really take that my faith that next step. And that to me is what discipleship is, is, to, is helping people understand that when you put your faith and your trust in Jesus— we have to continue to work that faith out. That's why we have Hebrews 11, to, to show us the great hall of faith, these people and what they did, and they didn't see Jesus in, in, in the Old Testament, right? But we get to see Jesus. We know what he did. We know how he died and suffered and rose again for us. And so, and then, and then God gave us Holy Spirit to walk alongside us and comfort us. And so we get to operate those things, but that doesn't mean that we don't get to ask questions. Hmm. I think one of the greatest things to do is ask God, where were you? And ask him to show you. I think one of the better questions is to say, are am I doing something that you're not digging right now? Should hmm. I be looking somewhere else? And and I think it, that's what growth is all about. I think growth is this opportunity for us to recognize who Jesus is and how he wants to continue to guard, uh, guide, guide our lives to so we can experience more of him. That's where we are right now, is we're trying to experience more of Jesus and help other people see him in hard situations. And you, you know, you kind of hit it on the head. We um we wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be pastors on staff at churches and stuff like that. And we said yes to this. And it's a really hard honor to be a part of it. But mm. both Kelsey, our other co-founder, Allison, and myself, just this past weekend, we we had a, a meeting with our board of directors and just couldn't imagine being and doing anything else because it is that unique opportunity to provide hope in a hard time because there is, there is no hope when you're kind of going through things without Jesus. That involves anything. But I think one of those things where it comes to such a hard thing like miscarriage and stillbirth is we are, we're all about offering people hope and truth and um, doing that with them together. Because that is, I think, really what Jesus wants us to do is just be in community and communion with him 
always. It just yeah. takes a little bit of intentionality, sometimes a lot, and a lot of um, people that are, are for you learning to know who he is and, and his, his realness and his truth. Yeah, good stuff, man. All right, yeah. as we bring this uh, episode to a close, um, do you guys yeah. have resources for people? Um, for, I mean, obviously yeah. you got it for the women, but dudes, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, so the number one thing that we learned is that um, miscarriage is deeply personal, okay? So you can go to our website, which is foreknownministries.org, but everything on foreknownministries.org is going to push you to text us. And when you text us, that actually goes to myself, Kelsey Altson, and we're working on a volunteer team too. And it, what it is, is everybody's journey is deeply unique to them. And so while I would love to say, oh, if you take these three magic pills and you do these four things, you're going to be healed from whatever it is. And man, wouldn't that be awesome for all hard things that we go through in life. But really what it is when you text the word men, and I'm sure you'll put this in your show notes, to 719-626-8486, what that does is that that allows you to get on our daily text of encouragement if you're a guy. If you text a little uh, a red heart, you can text that too. Or if you just text the word, what's up, bro, to that number, um, we'll see it and we can start a journey with you there. Because our heart is first and foremost that nobody should have to go through a miscarriage or stillbirth alone. That's where Fornown started. My wife and a co-worker of hers at the time, that we, we went through this literally together within two weeks of each other. They lost their sweet baby Cora um, with a, a cord wrap around her neck. And we lost our son two weeks later, both late term stillbirths. And we knew that God wanted to do something with it. And um, it's just one of those things where we now want to offer that hope to anybody who is going through it because we've gone through it. We've survived it. We are better for it, which is a really hard thing to say. Um, but it's also one of those things where we want to help people understand the truth of Jesus in that. Yep. Cool. Yep, I'll yeah. throw all that stuff into um, the show notes, just as you said. Uh, I'll have the uh, text popping up on the screen as well. So if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see that number. Uh, you're so fancy, bro. At this point anyways, I try. So um, but <laughs> yeah, dude, again, still super excited about what God has birthed. Uh out of all of this for you guys uh there are a lot of people who are going to be impacted forever for eternity uh because Mm. of the story that god is writing with Mm. for you guys and with you guys so um Mm. again ryan thanks again for coming on to the show final final comments thoughts anything like that you want to throw out there to the listeners listen I I just I, I go back to the fact that Jesus never leaves us. If we have put our faith on our trust in Jesus, he's not going to leave you. It's just sometimes grief is really hard uh, and a really big emotion. And so I ask you to kind of lean into that a little bit more and get 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 in community where people are going to push you towards Jesus. And, and that's not just in loss. I think that's in life. So make sure that if you decide, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus, go all in. And be with those people uh, because, frankly, the world's not getting any lighter. Let's just be honest. Mm. It's getting a lot darker. And we need people that have hope. And so continue to spread that hope. Be hope for somebody. Carry a burden with somebody and love people a lot better. Cool. 
great final words, bro. <laughs> hey, man, I love you. I love you too, man. I appreciate you. It's time for you to come out to Wisconsin and come visit. Oh, here all we right? go. Yeah, there we go. Every time we talk, it's all about Wisconsin. I, That's it. <laughs> Hey, I've already done the I've already done the Colorado thing, so it's time for you to come oh, and do the true. Wisconsin thing. There so you go. Come get some yeah. cheese. Okay. All right. Well, hey, on uh, behalf of Ryan Cole and myself, thank you so much for listening in on this episode of the Stew on This podcast. As always, please uh, leave a rating and review. Subscribe to this if this was beneficial to you at all. Um, and if there's anything that I can do to be of uh, a, a, like a helpful hand or a helpful person in your corner as you journey through life, uh, mm. don't hesitate to reach out. Again, contact information will be there for uh, for No Ministries and for Ryan. Um, but until next week, I'll see you all uh, next week on it for another episode of the Steel on This Podcast. Be blessed.